Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Hope you're having a great day. Big show today. As we're rolling here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, welcome to the preseason, and things are heating up, and we're going to have all the news for you, as you expect, on the flagship of the Silver and Black, as we are fueled during the monologue by PT's best happy hour in town, uh, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 AM, imagine a happy hour, midnight to 2 AM, half price drinks, drive responsibly, Uber out, do what you need to do. But 64-plus locations packed all throughout the Valley last night for the Golden Knights as the Golden Knights debuted Jack Eichel and got shut out. Whoa. What was that all about? Raise your hand and beep your horn if you had Vegas with no goals last night on national television on TNT. Come on. The game's on national television. Wayne Gretzky on the studio show. That, that's TNT. So they're, they're copying Charles Barkley in basketball, and I'm sitting there going, you got to be kidding me. Shut out? Stop. And why? No Robin Leonard. Not a high-scoring game. Wasn't the goaltender's fault. Where are the goals? And then I walked away from that game saying to myself, you know, Colorado's better. Vegas is supposed to be better than Colorado. Colorado is proving to be better than the Vegas Golden Knights, and that can't happen because you can't get to the Stanley Cup without going through Colorado. Okay, so I'm looking at this Vegas team as an all-star team. All-star team loaded. Three, four lines, great players on defense. Robin Leonard got to win the Cup, and Colorado came in to the fortress and said, no, 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 no. It's on TNT tonight. Everybody step aside. We're going to kick your ass and shut you out. So that's concerning to me. Now, I think that could change in Colorado. Colorado's not going to get knocked off in the playoffs in an early-round game to some inferior opponent. They are the monster in the room that Vegas has to go through. And fortunately, the owner, Bill Foley, wants to get through them, just like Mark Davis wants to get through Kansas City. So you got to put a plan together. How do you get through the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? 0-2 last year for the Raiders, boat raced in both the games. And Bill Foley, who owns the Golden Knights, saying, i got to get through Colorado if I'm going to hoist the cup. Good luck with that after last night. I think they'll do it. I think they can do it. But, man, it's going to be hard. That's six or seven games in a series, which is going to be a bloodbath, going back and forth and just hoping for a couple of pucks to bounce a little bit different. And you hope for that. And I don't like to talk about hope when it comes to championships. You want to be good enough to win. You don't need to hope that you win. And last night, I'm texting with my buddies in Buffalo. I went to college in upstate New York. Got a lot of Buffalo guys on my text with the Bills and the Sabres. And they're like, what's up, JT? What's up with no, no goals? Not for Jack Eichel, for the team? Pretty surprised by that. We expect hockey fans to call this show in Vegas. You don't have to in the Bay Area. We're streaming in L.A. I get it. But we're based here in Vegas. We're no good on the radio if we can't hear from Golden Knight fans, especially in this time slot. Fire in. Talk about how this team needs to beat Colorado. If you're a diehard fan, you know the team. We'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200. All right, I got a lot of things I want to get to in the monologue. I want to begin 
with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh all of a sudden is signing an extension to be at Michigan. Was the JT the Brick show the only show that never mentioned Jim Harbaugh to the Raiders? Yeah, thank you, Bobby. I was the only one. Why? Because I knew it wasn't happening. And Jim Harbaugh worked for the Raiders. And if Jim Harbaugh came out for an interview, I would have been like, whoa, okay. <laughs> All right, we got he just blew out here. He just blew out here on the, on the private jet. Now we got to start talking about Jim Harbaugh. I believe from the get-go that Jim Harbaugh was using the rumor of the Raiders. Not the Raiders, because obviously the Raiders weren't interested. They weren't interested in Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Harbaugh, and I nailed this one beautifully, went to Minnesota to sit down with the Vikings just to get a pay raise at Michigan because he took less money to stay at Michigan because he could never beat Ohio State. So remember, some people in Michigan wanted Harbaugh out because if you can't beat Ohio State and you can't beat Michigan State, who cares? You're not Bo Schembechler. And he finally had a good year, and he won, and he went to the Final Four, and all of a sudden he's going to get a base salary of $7.05 million this fall. So let's talk about what happened. The media fell into this trap that Jim Harbaugh, not everybody, there were some people that said, no, he's not coming. But most of the media fell into this trap. They did low-hanging fruit radio. Let's kill 20 minutes on Jim Harbaugh coming to Vegas once again just to kill time. Never thought it was going to happen. It never was close to happening. So Jim Harbaugh used the media that bought into national and local here in Vegas that there was some interest when there was none. There was none. He used that for a pay raise. Happens all the time in sports. Every sport, every coach does the same thing. Usually they do that when they win, and then they t- their agent calls and goes, hey, little dirty secret we do in sports. Let's pretend you're interested in other jobs that are bigger than this. Well, there's really nothing bigger than Michigan. There isn't. In, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, right up there. The only thing bigger is the NFL, and Harbaugh was really good in the NFL. I mean, he was really good in the NFL with the 49ers. So he used the NFL as a pay raise for college. And he has an out in his clause where he can leave and go to the NFL if he wants to. The new terms also include a hefty fine if Harbaugh decides to leave early. Though Harbaugh told the Detroit, uh, D- Detroit Free Press he assured that his flirtation with the NFL would not be a recurring issue. Oh, that's beautiful. Told that to a journalist that he won't be flirting with the NFL anymore. And if he leaves prior to the end of his contract for any reason, in quotes, he would owe Michigan $3 million in the first year. Well, if he leaves to go to the NFL, he's going to be making $10 million. He's a $10 million guy. He pays $3 million back, and, you know, wink, wink, the new owner of the NFL team takes care of him. He gets a couple of more perks. The buyout then drops to $2.25 million in the second year, one point five in the third, and 750000 in the fourth. And in the fifth and final year, he can leave for nothing. Jim Harbaugh, quote, I love Michigan football, the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. In a prepared statement, my family and I are excited to continue leading this football program, and we are thankful for the support that our athletic department and administration has demonstrated to me and my family. So that's basically Harbaugh saying the same thing. If he got the Raider job, he would have sat there with a Raider pin on and a Raider suit and said, I love the Raiders. I always wanted to be with the Raiders. But I didn't buy into that because I knew it wasn't happening. So we wish Jim Harbaugh well. I, I'm the, he worked for the Raiders. Once a Raider, always a Raider. But again, he used the rumors of the NFL to further 
himself financially at Michigan, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are kids now transferring this transfer portal. You know, USC is getting a quarterback from Oklahoma, Caleb Williams, who's just transferring because the money at USC is better. It's his former coach, and he can do it. College football is now turning into the NFL. College football is now the NFL. We have the NFL, which is king, and then we have the junior NFL, which is college football. And the reason why I don't want to pay a lot of money for college football players is none of them are going to make it to the NFL, just a tiny, 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 small percentage of them. Pay those guys because they're going to the NFL. The other kids who are backup tight ends and they're playing at UNLV or they're playing at Tulsa or they're playing for Oregon, they're never going to make it to the NFL. So why do you want to pay them? Why? They got to get an education. They got to go to school. They They need a job. Right, They're not going to be a broadcaster, most likely, so they're going to have to get a job in accounting business and do something. So do we now think that every college football player, especially the backups, are entitled to this name, image, and likeness thing? No. It's just like the NFL. There are guys on the NFL, some NFL rosters, who make less than a million bucks, and there are guys who make 30 to $40 million. Why? Because they're better, and they're more high-profile, and they play quarterback. They're not a backup cornerback. So... College football is at a really interesting point right now because it's the Wild West. I'm watching this show, 1883, on Amazon Prime, which is fantastic. One of the best shows I've seen in the last couple of years. I've been watching Yellowstone, which is Kevin Costner's show, which is also fantastic. And this is the prequel to Yellowstone. It's about the Wild West. And that's what college football is. I'll make the comparison. It's the Wild West. No one knows what's happening. And in 18... 83, basically, what it's about is about a family moving out west from Texas to Oregon, and everybody's getting slaughtered. There's Indians everywhere. There's bandits everywhere. Like, you got to be the most courageous human being in the history of our country's existence to get in a covered wagon with a rifle and maybe a gun and go over a mountain where there was 400 Indians waiting for you, and they didn't want to talk, right? So these are like the boldest people ever. So I know I'm reaching on the comparison, but college football now is the Wild West. Whatever you want, you can go get it. used to be you could get an envelope of cash at a diner under the table for like three grand a month. Wow, for the quarterback. And then give him a fake job at a car wash where he never had to show up. It's called a no-show job. That was the old state. Now, give me a million bucks. (laughs) We're going to give you a million bucks. So Harbaugh, as I'm connecting this back to Harbaugh, the only way Harbaugh is going to win at Michigan is he's got to prove to high school kids that they can go to Michigan and make a million bucks or 200000 or 300000 You tell me how that's going to be good for UNLV football. It's not. And then the thing that fascinates me about UNLV basketball, I just love Kevin Kruger and the Kruger family, and I, I hope that UNLV football can win a game or a couple of games, is that we have billion-dollar casinos. Resorts World is worth more than $4 billion already, and they haven't even put in their big lake and their big, big, their big project there. And we, How's UNLV going to get guys to play for like two, 300000 So everybody's just going to play for the eight programs in college. Jim Harbaugh would want to be with one of those eight. He is with Michigan. Now he's got to go to the boosters and everybody else and find a way to pay everybody. And that's going to be good for sports. This is going to turn out to be one of the most corrupt things ever in sports. Kids are going to get paid. The corruption is going to flourish. And four years from now, 
Anderson Cooper is going to be on 60 Minutes, and they're going to do a whole feature on this. And you're going to remember this, this, this show. So Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, used, used the NFL to make more money. So he could stay there, and now he's got to go back to work and find money for the kids. That's not easy to do. That is not easy to do. 702-365-9200. The Raiders, we're going to have Jordan Schultz join us later. He's the son of Howard Schultz, the billionaire, multi-billionaire behind Starbucks. And he has been probably the most aggressive person with Raiders and Derek Carr rumors about him staying. So my philosophy, as you know, if you listen, I I don't get involved with Derek's contract or money. It's not in my lane. I don't know what's going to happen with Derek Carr. I would assume he's going to be here. But Jordan Schultz is really being aggressive, talking about how he believes Carr is a lock to come back. So I said, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. I'm not going to come on my radio show and say he's a lock to come back. I don't know that to be true, but we're going to put someone on who has a story about his sources and why he believes uh, this is going to happen. So looking forward to that conversation, too. Phil Villapiano will join us. We got Phil Villapiano coming up at 12:35 or so. He was up at the John Madden event and he was also, you know, Phil's the best. He's unbelievable what he does for me on the radio. He's just wind him up and let him go. And then one of Vegas's most famous athletes, Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch is going to join us and he's at the Daytona 500 and he's a member of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. He is an icon athlete in this town. He really is. He's one of the biggest athletes brand recognition in all of Las Vegas, and he's going to join us coming up here in a little bit, so we'll get to that. Other than that, I'm out of here tomorrow, going to visit my son in college out in Tempe at ASU, so I'll be gone here for the weekend, coming back Saturday night to see Slash and Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, my good buddy Frankie Sidoris, one of the guitar players in that band. We're going to go to Virgin Hotels and see that show, and then just get into the grinder of off-season football. The grinder of waiting for news. As again, I said yesterday, Vinny Monsignor did a really nice job putting together what he believes is the staff as it's developing. And it's all accurate information, information I have. But Vinny did a deep dive on all the coaches that are here. And Raider fans, I've noticed from being around at the Super Bowl, talked to a lot of Raider fans when I was in L.A. And it was just, it's similar. Not similar. It's different than the move. You know, the move, when the Raiders moved from Oakland, the diehard Oakland fans were going to be pissed off for a while. Many of them have mellowed now. They've come here. They've seen Vegas. They've seen the stadium. Their mind is blown, right? And they're buying season tickets, and they're going to parties here. They're getting it. And it's the same thing with the coaching staff. We really like this former coaching staff. Rich Basaccia, Gus Bradley, Tom Cable, Rod Marinelli. You go down the list of everybody's there, And pretty much all of them are gone except for one. And a lot of Raider fans are upset about that, but they're coming to grips with the business side of this and really getting behind Josh McDaniels, understanding that he could be the guy that could take this to the next level. That's what he's getting paid to do, getting paid to take this to a higher level if he's capable of doing that with a different type of offense. I wouldn't say better or worse, more unique. It better be better. Better be better in the red zone. Uh, definitely like Graham coming in as the defensive coordinator, has to be better when it comes to the red zone defense. So with all of that combined, there's a lot of change. A lot of change. And then we had the two big events over the last week, Cliff Branch 
uh, got the call that he'll be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is fabulous. Fabulous. And the John Madden Memorial. And John Madden passed, and as we know, after Christmas. And then everybody came and just rallied behind the Madden family. And they had that really good event up in Oakland. And a lot of our friends went to it and are really excited about it. So with all of that, we got a lot to talk about. As I said, I wish we had more time when I was out in L.A. to talk about Cliff Branch. We had the owner on, Mark Davis. If you missed that interview, you can find it at Raiders.com. I was really proud of that interview because Mark's, Mark's best friend was Cliff Branch. And I thought Mark really was unique and gave us a lot in that interview about how important it was for his best friend to get that call, which was really cool. And that's one of the things we'll be talking about with Phil Villapiano coming up here momentarily. Uh, let, let me get to what happened in the Vegas game last night, Colorado, the Landeskog goal. This was an incredible goal on a pass and a slap shot. It was one of the best goals I've seen in hockey all year. You can hear it here. Feed across to the right. Here's Landeskog. Shoots wide of the short post. Kicks around to the far side, left wing. Kale McCarr to the right, and the shot, score! Gabriel Landeskog from the right circle, and Colorado takes a 1-0 lead just 41 seconds into the third period. That can't happen. That can't happen to start off a period, but the goal was incredible. That turned out to be the game winner, and that line is pretty incredible. I mean, they could float all-stars at you on every line. This put it away. Works to the middle, passes to the left, cross to the right, ranted it, shoots! He scored! Brossois lunging to his left, could not stop it. Off the back bracing of the goal and out. It is a power play goal for Colorado. 2-0 Avalanche with 4.15 to go in the third. And then the big issue became how come Vegas couldn't score? Well, Colorado's got a real good goaltender. They got a very good backline defense. They check really well at mid-ice. It's tough to get anything going. Vegas is a team that needs space. They need the ability to have space and attack and go back and forth. Colorado doesn't let you do that. So big win for the Avalanche on national TV in Vegas, sending a message. Avalanche back behind their old goal. Gerard gets a check from Petrangelo to the point. Haig with three seconds. He shoots. Side of the net for Petrangelo. He missed it. And that's all she wrote at T-Mobile Arena tonight. Colorado shuts out Vegas. Darcy Kemper with his third shutout and his 24th victory. Avalanche 2, Golden Knights 0. The great Dan Duba on the call on Golden Knights Radio, our sister station here. So I wanted to make sure we could get that into the monologue. And then one other thing, uh, Stephen A. Smith called into my show last night. I'm going to replay it. It was great. It was unbelievable. The Knicks had a 28-point lead, 28-point lead at home, and they lost to the Nets, and the Nets didn't have Ben Simmons for obvious reasons, James Harden, who was just traded, Kevin Durant, who's hurt, and Kyrie Irvin, who's not allowed to play because he's not vaccinated. And the Knicks lost that game, and I looked down at my phone, and Stephen A's like, I got to get on, I got to get on. It's the biggest name in media, the highest paid guy in media. I'm like, all right, I got to figure out a way to go to a break and get him back, so you'll hear that. You want to hear passion. Oh, my God, he's so good. He, this is a phone call. You know, I'm sitting here grinding phone calls here every day from noon to 2. Stephen A calls into my show, so you should feel good about that and call in here, too. The parade was yesterday in Los Angeles for the world champion Rams. It was an utter embarrassment to sports. I've covered parades on the radio from Boston, the duck boat parades with Tom Brady, the Celtic parades. I I still believe the biggest one to this day, you can Google it, is the Detroit Red Wings when they won the cup. Over a million won. 
million won, and the Cubs, when the Cubs won, you know, they had, I know some people said they had two million, whatever, and they were they're probably right, right? This thing yesterday in Los Angeles, there was basically no one there. And then, then they showed up. They showed up, you know, finally at the Coliseum, which was incredible there. You know, I'm a big NASCAR fan, and being based out of Vegas, we, we're excited for the Vegas races, but this is the Daytona 500, and it's a pleasure to welcome Kirk Bush to the show from Vegas, a mainstay, Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Kurt, thanks for doing this. How are you? Thanks for coming on. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, man, it's Daytona 500 week. Here we go. It should be great for you. Take me through as a young boy with your brother, your dad, your family, your earliest memories of watching the Daytona 500. You know, I, I remember vividly when Bobby Allison won and Davey Allison <laughs> finished second. You know, like, I was like, Dad, you're a racer. I'll be a racer maybe one day. Uh, man, it wouldn't be cool if we finished one, two in something. And that's one thing I remember big time. And then, uh, you know, with Dale Sr. racing and also uh, Jeff Gordon, when he came along, there was that cool rivalry between those two guys. For everybody who understands that your Super Bowl starts off, you want to win the overall championship, but the Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl. And as you know, we just came off the Rams winning the Super Bowl. How do you prepare visually, mentally, with your workouts, everything you do in the offseason to be at your best for this race? Everything starts uh, with, with the right mindset and the right timeline. And for me, every year, January 1, uh, we can all make New Year's resolutions and all that. But for me, I, I zone back in because I know by February 1st, I got to be ready to go with all the simulation work done, my workouts, and be ready for the Daytona 500 because I know my team is preparing the best car possible to go win our Super Bowl. Our Super Bowl is the first race, and then our next most important race is, of course, the championship race at the, at the end of the year. So the evolution of the sport with the next-gen cars, the technology, and your team, I know how involved you are and how much you care about your team and the evolution of the sport. What's a typical off-season like for you, Kurt? Do you get away with your family, or are you always tied to the track and testing? What was it like this off-season? This year was uh, twice as busy for me with switching race teams and developing the next-gen car with NASCAR and my new team. You know, I mean, typically I get away with my wife. Uh, she has her horses down in South Florida, and it's nice to be in the good weather. I'll come out to Vegas, visit buddies. You know, I got my buddy J-Dog out there, farmer. We go golfing and, and goof off for a couple of days. You know, it's good to have the friends to break away uh, from, you know, family or from racing. And even my buddy uh, runs the Maverick Choppers around sure. town, so it's good to, to go and see him. Kurt Busch is our guest, legendary NASCAR driver as we head into the Daytona 500. And then when you get to Daytona and speed weeks and you, you start testing and you realize this, if you get a chance to test before, you come in this week. Kurt, why is it so different? Because with COVID and lack of fans and what you've done, and you're a guy that wants to meet your fans, you want to be out there signing autographs, you know, talking public speaking events here. Once you get to Daytona, how much does it turn up so quickly that you have to have your A game? It's uh, as soon as you come in through the tunnel, you, yeah. you can feel the adrenaline and the intensity of this track and of this race. I mean, this is the most prestigious stock car race there is. And uh, the fanfare and everything just ramps up each day with our qualifying races, you know, the truck series race. 
Xfinity. And every day, more and more fans are pouring in. I've heard we're sold out. And, you know, the race on Fox, you know, we're promoting everything to have that value to kick in for everybody in all directions. So whether you're here in person, watching on TV, uh, you're a sponsor, a team owner, driver, uh, we want this to be the most watched motorsport event all year long. Who did you learn from for promotions? Your, you and your brother, your family. When, and you mentioned Vegas and all the travel you do around the country and other sports. That's what I love about you. You love other sports. You talk about golf and the NBA and hockey, Vegas Golden Knights. When it comes to promoting, on certain days you might wake up, Kurt, you don't feel perfect, but you know you have a job to do to pass the sport on to others and talk to the fans and sell the sport. How much do you still love doing that? I, I love it, and, and the more years that I've been been racing, it uh, it comes easier. You know, it wasn't easy in the beginning. I was just a, a racer kid that wanted to drive for checkered flags, and over the years with different teams and different sponsors, uh, it all starts to click. And then I think back of my childhood of Vegas. I mean, it's the entertainment capital of the world. You know, there's the huge fights that were at Caesar's Palace as far as boxing. You know, the Vegas track built up over in the, in the late 90s out there in North Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And just all the events over the years that have come to Vegas to put on that big show, it reminded me of that's how you got to sell the ticket in and sell the excitement. And now look at Vegas with the Raiders, the Golden Knights, Pac-12 tournament. Uh, I've been going to NFR for the last two decades. Yeah, You know, I just love the atmosphere in Vegas, and that's what's helped me with, with motorsport. Wrapping it up with Kirk Bush. Tell us about your new team and the teamwork that needs to happen at Daytona. I love super speedways. That's how I got involved in NASCAR, going to Daytona, more so than the short track. And I like bump drafting, and I love when you go down low, you got to take cars behind you for that push. So with the teammates you have now and also the other drivers that you could hook up with late in a race, what is that like for a lot of the fans who don't get it, that you might need help to get up front, you might need to bump draft before you take off and try to win the race? You know, it's, it's awesome on how the manufacturers have gotten so involved in our sport with the data analytics and the numbers on the, the wind tunnel reports. It was funny, like a couple of years back, I was with Ford, and when we switched at uh, Stuart Haas to go to Chevy, or you know, from when I switched to go to Ganassi from Stuart Haas, and now I switched to a different manufacturer. All my buddies, like, literally dropped me like, like I was a bad habit. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what happened here? And so now mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm with Toyota this year, and I'm expecting the same thing. It's You're now with a new family. That's who you roll with. But it's like you're playing poker with your own family, and you're there to get their chips by the end of the day and to get your own team across the start-finish line first to win the great American race. And been- so. There's teamwork all the way until about the last lap. <laughs> Absolutely. You've been doing this a while. Uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Because there's been drivers who retire around your age or a couple of years from now, and it seems like you're vibrant, you're athletic, you're fit, you love the sport, you've seen the sport, you grew up with it. How much longer do you want to be in this business? You know, I'll, I'll go as long as I can. And, you know, a guy that I, I looked up to when I was a kid, I called him a couple off seasons ago. He picks up the phone, and uh, his name's Mark Martin. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mark, you hung around for a long time, sir. What, what made you want to keep driving? What was your motivation? And he said, Kurt, I'm just like you. I'm a racer kid that made it big, and the phone kept ringing. 
and that's why I kept sticking around. And you asked about my legacy. You know, it's it's not defined by by me or or by any one moment. It, it happens over time, and I think that the work ethic I've shown, uh, the this this blue collar kid out of Vegas who had no name to start with, uh, I'm just very appreciative of all the team owners and sponsors and people that I've met along the way. And I guess I'm just one of those American stories of you make it, you fail, you work your way back up. And you never, never give up. And I think that's that's what will what will show years down the road. It's a pleasure watching your career. Good luck. We're rooting for you. Get out fast, but as you know, it comes down to those final three. Stay away from the big one. And if there's smoke in front of you, come flying through it and go win it. Okay. It sounds just like a, a trip <laughs> to the strip, man. I got a lady luck on my side. Good luck, Kurt. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. You got it. Kurt Busch joining us. Nice to get him ahead of the Daytona 500. Hope you enjoyed that. And he is, he's a guy who wants this race desperately. And as he talked about, you look about the teamwork in this sport. The teamwork is very important because you got to stay out of the big wreck. It's a super speedway. There'll be plenty of them. You got to be on that last lap. You got to have a shot to win. And then you got to be so quick, knowing to get high, get low. Get on the train or fight the guys behind you as they're trying to pass you. What is better than the final lap of the Daytona 500? Knowing it's the great American race, the majority of the drivers haven't won it, and they'll do anything to win it. It's dangerous. You put your life on the line. That gentleman who just joins us, joined us put his, puts his life on the line. So for those who just are, hey, NASCAR is not a sport. What? Going 200 miles an hour, three wide, where, you know, people at that track lost their lives. It's a tremendous sport. The Great American Race coming up on Sunday. Can't wait to see it. When we come back, another great teammate, one of the greatest Raider teammates of all time, Phil Villapiano. Foo! Never know what's going to happen with him. (laughs) I've introduced him at events, had him on radio. I just know he's going to bring his A game. The king of the Raiders when it comes to NFL films. We'll talk about Cliff Branch, the good news, and what it was like to be there on the field with the Madden family on Monday night. He beat Joe Gibbs of the Washington Redskins. Joe Gibbs is not a, is in the Hall of Fame. Tom Flores is not. He beat the Marv Levy's. He beat the Don Shulers in big games. And they're in the Hall of Fame. The late Cliff Branch talking about his coach, Tom Flores, as he was not getting the call for the Hall of Fame. Cliff was a major part with the push for Flores for decades. And now we get a chance to celebrate, celebrate Cliff coming up here. No one better to talk to than the great Phil Villapiano. Foo, where are you today? I've been seeing you traveling all over the country. Where do we have you today? Oh, I'm in Palm Desert, JT, <laughs> and it's another beautiful day in the desert. And uh, But I'm still working, so I'm doing. I'm at my desk doing a little work. And, uh, you know, getting ready. Maybe I'm going to hit some balls about 3 o'clock. But Phil. then we have bocce ball at 5, 4.30 today, bocce ball. JT. Hey, Phil. It's a beautiful life. It was before our time, but do you understand now why Sinatra and Peter Lawford and 
JFK and Marilyn Monroe were all out in the desert there when you're looking at those Carmel Mountains and seeing those golf courses and swimming pools. How beautiful is it? It is so beautiful, JT. Matter of fact, you know, uh, my, my, my lady, Janie, she, mm-hmm. you know, cause she's from Portland area, so they would come down here in uh, vacation, and uh, she kept telling me about it. And then when I finally came out here, I said, we're buying. you got to. It's just too, it's too be- beautiful. And back in New Jersey right now, I feel sorry for those people. They get, <laughs> they're getting snowed on every day. So I'd much rather be out here because it's beautiful. Phil Villapiano's our guest. All right, so we got a couple of big topics. Let's start off with Cliff and what Cliff meant to you and the emotion when you finally got the official call that he would be inducted later this summer. Walk us through that moment for you. And, you know, I, I have no clue what the uh, Hall of Fame committee had against the Raiders for a bunch of years, but Cliff should have been in many, many years ago. And then, you know, you get a look, you get overlooked a couple times, and then they forget about you. But anybody who ever tried to cover him or anybody that – you know, ever been a teammate of his? Uh, you just gotta love this guy. He, he, most unselfish guy in the world. Uh, nobody even knew how fast he was. He was like, you know, he just ran by everybody. He was, he was, a, he was one of the receivers of today. You know, thirty years ago, it's just an amazing athlete. And I, I used to call him the thoroughbred because he just ran like a horse. I mean, he was, boom, he's gone, and. Uh, I'll never forget when uh, George Bland uh, picked him out and, and he used to throw to him and throw to him and throw to him in practice. And finally, because I think you, JT, you may remember his first year, he couldn't per- yeah. pretty much catch a cold. And then all of a sudden he became good. And I gave George Bland so much credit for just throwing to Cliff and telling him how deadly he would be. And, and, and he listened and then he, you know, naturally, after George was gone, then Kenny picked up on it. And between Kenny and Freddie and Cliff, wow, what a combination. Phil and all three, of them, all three of them are in the Hall of Fame. And, and to get back to your real question, was I happy? I was so happy for Cliff because he deserved it. He had every single number and just got overlooked. But they, they finally made it right, but I wish he would be a, around to enjoy it, but he's not. Yeah, absolutely. And, Fu, you know what's interesting about Cliff? You look at the help that he got. After it was to the point where he wasn't on the senior list and his time has passed up and some some thought he wouldn't get in because just the hall overlooked him, you know Mark Davis well. And how he's – it's his best friend. And how hard yeah. Mark pushed behind the scenes. And I was privy to an event where the Raiders made sure that Mean Joe Green, Mel Blunt, Franco, one of your best friends – all got on video, and they put out this amazing video about Cliff, and I thought that was such a unique moment in Raider media history. And you're one of the biggest names in Raider media history. No one's been on NFL films more than you. That that push came up, that push came up that you were a part of, Coach Mike Ditka, to remind the Hall of Fame, let's look back again at uh, Cliff. Cliff's got to get in. Yes, and that was so good. It was was a joint effort. You're absolutely right, Uh, you know, uh, JT, you, you don't know what, what's going on. And you look at, I mean, you know, not that you wouldn't recognize everybody that's in the Hall of Fame, but there was some picks. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Who are they trying to make happy? You know, 
the Hall of Fame is not supposed to be a political thing. It sometimes gets to be, but they, hey, they got this one right, and I'm happy about it. And maybe there'll be a few more Raiders getting inside at some point, JT. I'm know? talking to one right now. I'm talking to one now with your <laughs> legendary career. Phil Villapiano, our good friend, joins us. One more football question with Cliff. When you're on the bench, when you're on the bench with the defense and you're a linebacker, star linebacker, and you look out in Oakland on the bench, you look out and you see Freddie wide right, you see Cliff wide left, you see Upshaw and Shell, and then a two back set or a one back set with Snake, and then Casper, the ghost, and Raymond Chester coming in between. When you see what Cliff was able to do to take two safety, take a safety with him in a corner, run that go route, and how it opened it up for Freddie, and then Freddie brought the double team over, well, they wanted a double ghost, and how beautiful that was. Every team's trying to find an offense like that. The burner, the, the possession legend in Bolitnikov, and the ghost, all who want the ball, all who can catch it, and a brilliant offensive line so Stabler can stand like a statue. Isn't that crazy? And, and JT, nobody could said it better than you just said it. It was an amazing lineup. And then, and then, just for kicks, you might throw in Mike Ciani out there, sure. who nobody knew how fast he was either. He had that big, long stride, gigantic hands. He could catch as well as anybody else. And you know, if you remember, uh, Mike was the number one pick. Of that draft, mm-hmm. and they got Mike number one and Chris number six. Wow, what what two great receivers we got that year. Phil and Bill. Cliff, you know, with that crazy speed, he just, you know, he's the one that excelled because nobody could cover him. I I laugh, you know, and he turned people around. He'd fall down. Snake would throw it short on purpose. He'd come back get it and run right by the guy. Uh, he did so much, so so many good things for the team, and and uh, yeah. I would hate to have been the defense lining up against that offense. Raiders legend Phil Villapiano joins us. All right, so take us through Coach Madden and Monday night. It looked incredible. The speakers were amazing. Uh, The video of you on the board, to be back in the Coliseum with Virginia Madden and the Madden boys, what was that like for you being in the building? Oh, it was was beautiful, JT. It was absolutely beautiful, and I loved it. One more Monday night with John Madden. What a great, you know, uh, whoever made that up did a, did a great job in, in titling that that evening. And everybody was there. And, uh, you know, I, I just have to give, you know, Mooch, you know, Marin, Mooch spoke. He was beautiful. I didn't know him and Coach Madden were such uh, good buddies. I didn't know they had that bocce ball tournament where I would have been out and playing in it. And then we had Rivera, great speaker. And, I, I, you know, he would go to John and ask John all these questions about how to be a coach. And, you know, and the way he put it, and, it, it, you know, I don't know if every, all your listeners heard it, but mm-hmm. Rivera, John told him, you got to go with your gut. you got to go with your gut. So then he starts going, going for it on fourth down. <laughs> Madden called him back and said, hey, Ron, Go with your gut, but don't be stupid. You know, you know. Uh, it was really funny, but R- Rivera got the coach of the year, gave John all the credit, and then Andy Reid got up and spoke, and he talked about, you know, John invited him to be on the competition committee mm-hmm. and and the safety committee, and he talked all about how much John helped him 
become the great coach that he is. And but our 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 people, uh, I have to give the Raider Nation total credit because uh, when they interviewed Reed, they started. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't boo him for everything but that, you know. So well, Phil, the, he started off Nation, by he started off by saying, "I'm happy. I'm spitting distance away." You know, he tried to break yeah. the ice that way, and I think it's great that. Andy Reid, who's yeah. going to be a Hall of Famer, his his recent run of wins that he's put in the bank puts him way over the top. Plus, he's got the Super Bowl. But the passion that he had for Coach Madden was incredible. And you mentioned Ron Rivera. Yeah. How about Steve Mariucci, your friend? And, and what uh, Mooch had to say. He was fantastic. He was great. I know. He, he, he had a whole bunch of good stuff. I didn't realize they were best friends. I, I, thought, I didn't think, John, you know, I forget. Because we, as players, hate everybody. We hate every other team. But John, I, probably after he retired from the Raiders, he started being nice to other coaches because he certainly didn't have a lot of friends when he was coaching. And, and you know, JT, when they had some great film on him running up and down the sideline and just going wacky on the referees. And I was laughing so hard because nobody – would do that nowadays the way John did it. And it was, and it was it just expected every week that he was going to go overboard, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I always love to tell a story about when we were in Denver, I was like my second or third year. And uh, John, you know, really doesn't talk to the younger guys that much. And I intercepted a pass after he got two 15-yard penalties, two on the same drive. <laughs> and they put... He put Craig Morton right down and scoring, you know, like they're going to beat us. And I intercept the ball, and he comes up to me on the bus, and he, and he looks down at me, and he goes, hey, Phil, you bailed me out. And I looked up at him like, what are you talking about, Coach? And he goes, i got a boss, too. You know, so uh, wow. you know, it was kind of cool that, that I actually helped Coach. You know? And uh, But because, well, he helped me so many times that I got the pitch. So I had to help him out. But he got two of them in the same drive, which is probably no other coach has done that. Before. Yeah, you've never shared that with me. That's an amazing story. Wrapping it up with Raiders legend Phil Villapiano. So, Phil, finally, just one football question. There's a new coaching staff. I've been with you in Napa over the last two decades, and you know there's been new coaching staffs, and you're right up front with the new coach, the new staff, Speaking to the press, you're always on board. You were tight with John, still am. Other coaches that have been here before Gruden and other ones after. What's that like for you now? It's going to take a little bit of time for you to meet Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, the GM. But they count on guys like you, and you love that opportunity to introduce the Raider and the Raider history to these new coaches and executives. Well, I would would love to be a part of his inner circle if he wants to have me. You know, I hate I hated the Patriots pretty badly in my days. I hopefully he forgave me because well now he's a Raider. <laughs> I really think that, that you know um, we had I thought we had an excellent crew there with John and you know and, and his whole his whole group and I, I loved them and I thought you know he was he was our guy. But you know this one is totally different. But I I got to give Mark a lot of credit, the GM and and. Um, and Josh working together, so it's not like you know they're going to come and experiment. They know what they're doing. They run a tremendous offense up there in uh, New England uh, I, without without like star players. 
you know, they make stars up there yeah. somehow or another. So I'd like to see them do that right with, with our Raiders. We're, you know, we're going to go out and get a, a, another probably only one or two guys away from being really good, JP. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, a good draft, maybe a good trade this offseason or a good, you know, pickup in the uh, free agency. And we're going to be right there with a new coach, a guy that knows how to move the ball down the field and always finds the open guy. And, you know, Belichick, as much as we love him, he's a defensive guy. Somebody had to be running that offense which when they're putting up 50 points a game. Yeah. I'd love the Raiders to be, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So I'm all in. Hopefully they bring me back up to, well, I guess they're not napping anymore. They're probably. out here. Yeah, out there. I'll come anywhere. If the new coach needs me, I'm in. You got it. I'll let him know. And, uh, Foo, my dad wants to meet you because we're going to be spending part of the summer out at Long Beach Island, LBI on the Jersey Shore. And I said, Dad, oh. my dad's 83. I said, you got to meet Phil. And he says, I'd love to meet him. So we'll hook up and we'll talk about that over the summer. JT, you, you got to come up and you got to play golf at my place. And you got you to gotta go in the Atlantic Ocean with me. We'll have a, we will have a <laughs> wonderful time. And I can't wait to meet your dad. That'd you got great. it, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, Phil. Okay, JT. Bye-bye. You got now. it. Phil Villapiano, dear friend, and what an honor it is to talk to him as he's out in Palm Desert. Bought a place out there. Coach Flores lives out there. What a life they have, and what a great man. Just a great human being. And, yes, worthy of Hall of Fame consideration for the great career he had. So that's a good first hour, Bobby. Way to go. Coming up, Stephen A. Smith and an individual who has a lot to say on Derek Carr, Jordan Schultz. Strong opinions next hour. You don't want to miss it on the flagship of the Raiders.